First, let, let me pray. God, to come and share your word with, our, with my brothers and sisters, Father. And I ask that you speak through me, that you may be glorified, that the church may be edified, and let your word come forth with accuracy and clarity, and Father, and with power. And God, I give you all the glory and the honor for this. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> so I, I thought about the topic and reflected over my life. Uh, when Courtney preached uh, a couple Sundays ago at the end, she kind of uh, mentioned some of my testimony, but I haven't shared it with you all, so I'm going to do that first. I grew up going to church, to a Baptist church, for years until I found out they weren't preaching anything <laughs> when I started going to the Bible study. And like Courtney said, I, became, I was pre became pregnant at the age of 16, had my first son out of wedlock. <clears throat> Three years later, I got saved, and I would take my son to Bible study, to retreats, to gospel concert. <clears throat> exposing him to the things of God. And I was trying to live a, a godly life in myself, and I failed many, many times. And six years later, I had another son out of wedlock. <clears throat> and it wasn't until I realized that I needed a savior. I needed Jesus as my Lord and savior. I was trying to walk the walk in myself, and I failed. And when I realized I needed a savior, that I couldn't do it without him. That's the point that my life changed. And by that time I was pregnant with my second son. And I don't know where I got this book. It was called The Child Within. It's out of print now. And in this book, it gave you scriptures to read every day and to anoint your stomach, you know, and just, uh, you know, dedicate this child to the Lord. And I did that. And when he was born, I wish I had taken a picture. He came out with a mark on his head, right in the middle of a cross. And I dedicated my kids to the Lord. And so I began to uh, read scriptures with them, pray with them, you know, do what I could to pour God into their life. And it seems like that as I grew in the Lord, my son was growing in the Lord. People thought he was my brother because I was so young. <laughs> And, you know, he was exposed to a lot. He received uh, the Holy Ghost at an early age, speaking in tongues, the whole nine work. So did Jacqueline. And so I just tried to, what I did, I asked God, God, help me to be that godly mother you want me to be to my children. Show me how to be that godly mother. Show me how to love them unconditionally. And God did that. He honored that prayer. <clears throat> and I realized that raising kids is a ministry. And it, 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 it would make a difference in our lives. Uh, if we raise our kids, we would probably have a different way of parenting them as, because we are now uh, in the Lord. And godly mothers are so important to the development of, a, of healthy children. And as mothers, we have the most influence of our children's life. You know, there's such a strong bond between the mother and the child. And with our influence over our children, it can be negative, 
or it can be positive, hopefully positive. <clears throat> Abraham Lincoln once said, no man is poor who has had a godly mother. You know, and that, when I found that, I'm going, wow, that's profound. No man is poor who has had a godly mother. And if, if your life has been touched by a godly mother's love, you have enjoyed one of the greatest treasures and blessings on earth. Unfortunately, it's not, <coughs> it's not that way with everybody. You know, in the United States alone, there's 40 million abortions that has, been, that has happened. It's probably more than that now. And we hear news of mothers you know, driving off the bridge with their children in the car, killing. We hear of teenagers going to the prom, having a baby in the bathroom, and coming back to, to get her, uh, her uh, jam on, I guess. <laughs> and we have a lot of, um, excuse me, I sweat a lot. We have a lot of uh, mothers claiming uh, postpartum depression and, you know, and not raising their kids right, not having that love. And there's some, some mothers who have no maternal ex, uh, extents, what is it, the word of judgment? Instincts, you know, uh, for motherhood. And it's sad. <clears throat> it's very, very sad. Now, the love of a godly mother stays with you for life, for a lifetime. It's unconditional. She never gives up on her children. The, ch the child, the grown child, could be a drug addict, a thug, whatever, that's still her child. And nothing will change that. Nothing will ever change that. <clears throat> and uh, even as mother, when our child grow up and become an adult, have their own family, we never stop praying for them. We always want the best for them, no matter what. <clears throat> and so there were several women that I thought about in the Bible. One of them, of course, was Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. You know, that she was seen uh, virtuous and godly enough for her to be blessed to carry the Lord Jesus in her womb. I also thought of Hannah and how she prayed to God for a male child, and God honored that. I remember when uh, Pastor John and I were, got married, our, I had the two boys, and he had kids from a previous marriage, so we were the Dixon Bunch, and we didn't want any more kids. We were done, and God did something in our hearts with us not talking to each other. He placed in my heart to have a desire to have another child, a daughter, and he did the same thing with John. And we began to pray and ask God to give us a daughter. And my faith was so strong. I remember us being at Uncle Bob's church, and this evangelist was there. And I'm big and pregnant. She said, ooh, I see a big, healthy boy. And I, my expression on, on my face must have showed, like, mm, -mm. And so when I left, when we left the church, I told John, oh, she was in, her, she was in the flesh because I'm not having no boy. I'm having a girl. We wouldn't, we wouldn't let the doctors tell us the sex. We wouldn't let them draw the fluid to tell us the sex. Uh, we just believed God. We asked God for that girl, and he gave her to us. And the devil uh, tried to work it the whole nine months. I bled off and on. And I remember uh, one occasion, Dwayne was getting ready to go to this banquet. He was involved with Granville at the time. And I started bleeding really, really heavy. I was passing blood clots like the size of my fist. And the doctor said I probably was having a miscarriage. 
My husband put his hand on my stomach. He rebuked that spirit of death, and he spoke life. And in spite of those blood clots, I still had the baby. As a matter of fact, when I went for my first uh, sonogram, is that what they call it? And I told a technician, well, I'm bleeding. I have on a pad. And he said, well, you know you're pregnant. I said, yes, I know. It's just me. <laughs> but uh, God is so good. He honored us with that girl. And um, I remember there's another lady in the Bible whose name was Yaakobin. Yaakobin. You know who that is? Have you heard of her? It's uh, Moses' mother. Okay, she stood out to me. Her name means glory of Jehovah, or, or Jehovah is her glory. She, wanted, she was one, to me, she was one of the greatest women in the Bible. Okay. And, co and her, you know, the scriptures portray her selfless love and sacrifice. You know, her selfless love and sacrifice made it possible for the delivery of God's people from Egypt. This literally, literally changed the course of, a, of history. So if you'll go with me to Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. Okay, before we get there, let me explain what's going on in chapter 1. So there was a new uh, pharaoh in the land new king, and he wasn't, he wasn't familiar with Joseph. You know, Joseph was the one who had a coat of many colors. And so um, he saw the Israelites growing stronger and in number, and so he caused their task to be even uh, harder. And so he said, let me, let, let me kill these male babies because if the Israelites keep growing and numbing strength, he was afraid that they would uh, side with his enemies and take over. So he called the Hebrew midwives to come. And he told them, when you go to deliver the Hebrew babies, kill them if it's a boy. And so the midwives did not do that. And so he called them and said, what are you doing? What, you know, why didn't you do it? And, and they explained, get this, they explained that the, that the Hebrew women were different from the uh, Egyptian women, that they were lively and, and they, you know, they would go to the birthing stool and they would uh, have their babies before they even got to the house, before the midwives got to the house. So God blessed the Hebrew women with uh, liveliness and to be able to bear their babies even if the midwife wasn't there. But the most important thing was the midwives feared God instead of Pharaoh. And, God, and because they feared God, God blessed them uh, with households to go in and to, you know, make a living. And so after the midwives did not do what Pharaoh wanted, he called his own people. And he said, you know, go and kill the male babies, throw them in the river, you know. <clears throat> and so, so that's where he came in killing the babies. And so, in, so we'll start in chapter 2 now. We're up to point. <clears throat> the birth of Moses. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as a wife a Levite woman. And this woman conceived and bore a son. 
And when she saw that he was a fine child, that he was a beautiful child, uh, 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 New, New uh, King James says, she hid, she hid him for three months. When she, could, when she could no longer hide him, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dawed it with um, pitment and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds uh, on the, by the riverbank. And his sister, meaning Moses' sister, Marion, stood a distance to see how he, what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river while her young women walked the side of the river. And so, as his sister started, uh, stood afar to know what would be done to him, then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and the maidens walked along the riverside. And when she, Pharaoh's daughter, saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him, and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And you think about this. Now, Pharaoh's daughter, you know, she was, she was royalty. And I'm quite sure there was um, women in the royal family or um, kingdom that could nurse the baby. But I found it interesting that she wanted the uh, Hebrew uh, woman to come and nurse the child. And God is so awesome. You know, when we're dealing with things, um, he, he set it up. First of all, Marion, Moses' sister, was there when Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter found the baby. And she suggested, you know, to go get a, a, a Hebrew nurse. So a Hebrew woman, so she can nurse the baby for her. And then go on. <clears throat> so, so then the sister said to Pharaoh, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter uh, said, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. So the sister of Moses went and called their mother to bring her back to Pharaoh's daughter to, so she could nurse the baby. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Jacobet, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will pay you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. So she was able to take her baby for a season and nurse him and get paid for it. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> I mean, God is just so awesome, and she nursed him, and and the child and the scripture said, and the child grew, and she brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, "Because I drew her, drew him out of the water." Now you can imagine how hard this had to be for the mother. First of all, she puts him in an ark and put him and put him in the river, and she made sure it was strong enough that it wouldn't sink. She made sure that it was tough enough that if there was snakes or alligators or whatever, they wouldn't get to it. And 
So she gave up her child once, and then she had to take him back to nurse him. And I can imagine during that time, I don't know how long in those days uh, mothers nursed their uh, babies, but uh, she was able to nurse her own child and get paid for it. And then she had to bring him back to Pharaoh's daughter. And this, this had to be uh, difficult for her, but her purpose was to preserve his life. So she and her uh, husband, Amram, evidently were dedicated and religious people. And they were willing to defy the commandments of Pharaoh and keep the commandments of God. And so they did not kill their child. They did not get rid of him. Because God had a purpose and a plan for him. And the first thing we see, we see uh, Jochebed, that she was an Israelite. She, she was one of God's chosen people, a member of the tribe of Levi, and out of the tribe of Levi came the priests and uh, those who carried out the duties in the tabernacle and then later in the temple. And they were willing to defy the order of Pharaoh and keep the commandments of God by not killing their baby. And every godly mother needs a relationship with God. So we see her and her husband. And so um, because... If you don't have a relationship with God, there's no way you can be a godly mother because you don't know the things of God. You haven't been taught the things of God. You haven't tried to learn the things of God. And, you know, every child deserves a, a godly mother's love. But every child can't get that. And can you imagine the difference in children's life if they had godly examples in the home, you know, what they would become, you know. And secondly, we see her courage. In spite of Pharaoh's decree to kill the male babies, Jacobet refused to give into his decree, one that could cause her son's life. And it took a lot of courage to stand up against what was wrong. But she, do it, she did it knowing that it could cause her her life as well as her babies. And so we need godly mothers and fathers who are not afraid to take a stand for what is right. Just like Joshua in uh, Joshua 24 and 15, he said, but as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. He took a stand. We will serve the Lord. Lord. And that's what we have to do. We have to take a stand even when the world is pulling on our kids. Take a stand. Pray for them. Don't give up on them. We have to take a stand in the Lord. Amen? So how many, of you, how many of you know we need some Joshuas and some Joshuettes in these days? <laughs> okay. There was a story I read about a little boy, and he asked his father, what is a Christian? And so his father thought about it, and he sat down with him and explained what a Christian was. And, you know, because he, you know, he was supposed to be a, Christ, a Christian. And so he, after he explained, he thought he did a pretty good job and then, uh, you know, because he, he was a Christian and he explained to his son the best way he could that what a Christian is. And the son said, Dad, have I ever seen one? Have I ever seen a Christian? So this, this man had to be distraught. 
because he thought he was a Christian, living a Christian life. But when he described the Christian, it was nothing that the son had ever seen in the home. So, <clears throat> so we see, we see uh, Jacobet was a woman motivi- motivated by a strong faith in God. Listen, her faith was so strong that she was named along with her husband in Hebrew eleven twenty three, in the uh, God's Hall of the Faithful. Let's go there and read that. Hebrews eleven twenty three. Okay. It says. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months uh, by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. In the midst of dire circumstances where babies were being killed daily, Jochebed fully entrusted her child to God's keeping, safekeeping. As godly parents, we must do the same. We have to turn our children over to the Lord, you know, and, and trust him. So she, because she took her child, hid him three months, she, her and her husband was declared among the hall of the faithful in Hebrews 11.23. They kept, the, uh, uh, they were not afraid of the king's commandment but they trusted their child with God Almighty. And we see her faith in the world. We see her faith in God when the world was crying out around her for the death of her son. You know, it took faith to place their child in the river and to leave him there and trust it to God. And you have to remember, now this was the same river that was instrument and killing the other babies. This is the river that uh, the Pharaoh had them kill the baby to throw them in the river. So it symbolized a lot. It symbolized life and it symbolized death. Life for Moses and death to some of the other Hebrew babies. And <clears throat> I think I got some of my notes mixed up. So you bear with me. I'm get a computer one day. <laughs> uh, I think I got a mix up. Could you bear with me one minute? Okay, I guess this is it. Okay, I know what scripture it is, so. Now, when we give our children, when we teach our children God's ways and teach them to love God and, uh, you know, teach them the word of God and set examples for them by the way we live for God, you know, this is one of the best things we can do for our children is teach them and raise them up uh, in the Lord. Now, as, as parents, even godly parents, we make mistakes. We're not perfect, but we strive to be. We strive to be holy as he is holy. 
And what's so interesting, we are to pass the, God, the things of God to our children and our grands. Uh, let's go to 2 Timothy 1 and 5. Second Timothy one and five. I left my Bible at home. How do you leave your Bible at home? And so it says, so this is Paul um, sending an epistle to um, Timothy, and he's talking about um, how he remembers, he said, when I call to remember the genuine faith in, that is in you, which dealt first in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is, is in you also. So as godly women, as godly mothers, we are to, uh, we see that this grandmother had genuine faith and not only her, but her daughter. She passed it down to her daughter. The daughter probably passed it on to Timothy. And we are to do the same. We are to pass the things of God down generations in our family. I, I know sometimes when I've talked to a few young girls who have gotten pregnant out of wedlock, and you know, I tell them, because I've experienced it, that all, although we didn't bring these children in the world the way God wants us to do, mar be married first. But still, God has a plan and a purpose for those children. And I remember when Dwayne was a youth pastor and I had gone to one of the retreats and I looked around the room and I saw all of these kids that he was making a difference in their lives. And I just became in awe of what God had done. And I, and I just said, God, this is the child, the first child I had out of wedlock. And you still had a purpose and a plan for his life. And all these teenagers and even some of their parents, he was touching their lives. He was making a difference in, in their lives. And I was just in awe. And that's why I tell these young kids, young teenagers, God still have a purpose and a plan for their life. He loved those children. And even some of the mothers who become distraught when their young teenager get pregnant, I've talked to a couple of them, and, and they were, I guess, so embarrassed, so upset with their daughter or whatever. And I tell them, as a grandmother, you love that child, and you put the things of God into your grandchildren. You take that opportunity to do that. And I remember when uh, I had Jacqueline, and I was, thank God, I was able to stay home with her. She was about three months, and she, John came home, and I said, honey, the baby is singing. He said, get out of here, Jackie. <laughs> That's what he said. And I said, uh-huh, she's singing. And so I began to sing worship song, and she couldn't speak English, just the baby talk, but it was in a, in a tone, in a, in a song. And he recorded it. Unfortunately, Daniel erased it. And then about six months, I'm home with her, you know, praising God. Soon as I started worshiping God, she would throw her hands up. I said, God, this is so awesome to see a young baby just worship you. And it has to be pure. Now I'm looking at Darion, 
which is the youngest grandchild now. He's one. And he's around the house, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you can hear that he's saying hallelujah. So we start worshiping God. And uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I started saying, I think we say hallelujah, we'll say hallelujah. I said, thank you, Jesus. He's saying thank you, Jesus now. And he's only a year old. Last night, last two nights, he's been sick with a fever and stuff. And he was sitting in the family room, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, and it's such a blessing to see your children and your uh, grandchildren, you know, uh, worshiping God at such a young age. You know, I just thank God for that. <clears throat> and so the genuine faith that is, is in us, we have to pass it on and pass it on. And so in, let's take uh, Titus 2, um, 1 through 5. So in uh, the first chapter, uh, Paul was telling Titus to uh, give to uh, take care of some stuff because there were and he was talking about the role of the deacon and elders and what you know the uh, quali qualifications should be. And so in Titus two one through five, he said, "But as for you, speak the things." Uh, which are proper for sound doctrine. And, and he goes on to tell how a godly mo mother and father should live, describes it. He said that, you know, teach that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. And the older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And this, uh, uh, verse 4, this is what really blessed me. He tells the older women to admonish the young women, and he tells them to love their husbands. Not only, let, not only that, to love their children. So it is a commandment from God to love our children and to love our husbands if, if we're married. And to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husband, that the word of God may not be blasphemy. Amen? Yes. It's laid out in scripture how a godly mother is supposed to live, how a godly father is supposed to live. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> okay, so next we see Jacobeth. Uh, we see her love. I'm just messing up her name. How do you say that? Okay. She poured out of her life into the life of her son. And this is what our Heavenly Father does for us. God gave his son to save the sin of, sinful man. You know, God gave heaven's best to earth's worst. You know, because we were so sinful. And it's all because he loved us. He loved us. He loved us enough enough to send his son. Jacobet gave her son to her nation to be set free. She probably didn't know it at the time. She didn't know who, who she was raising. Can you imagine that? God gave his son for us. God knew exactly what he was doing. 
Jesus came and died for our sins at Calvary. And this is the greatest expression of love that the world would ever see. God's love for us. Go with me to Romans 5 and 8. God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for laying out in Scripture the way we should live, the way we should be a godly mother, a godly father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Romans 5 and 8. Okay. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. More shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And that's shouting news right there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm-mm-mm. All because he loved us. What a sacrifice God gave. As godly mothers, we make many, many sacrifices for our children. All because we love them, asking nothing in, in exchange. There was this young mother and her infant traveling across to South Wales. And a great storm came up. And they were caught in a, a snowstorm. And so after the uh, storm ceased, there was um, a search party went out looking for the woman and her infant. They found her, and she was dead. She took her outer clothing, so that means she took everything but her underwear, and wrapped her baby in, the, in, in her clothing. And then she huddled over his body to keep him safe. She gave her life for this child, for her baby. Mm. So when they found her, the woman was dead, and they were, they were shocked that the baby was alive. Mm -mm -mm. She shielded that baby. She gave up everything she could to save the baby's life, even her life. She gave her life for her baby. And this child grew up and became a prime minister of Great Britain. And he was one of England's greatest statesmen, all because of a mother's love for her child. What a sacrifice. As parents, do we know who we're raising? It could be the next president, government, next preacher, Destin. You know, and, you know, it's really something to think about. We don't know the love and the, the things that we're supposed to put on our children and what God has planned for them. But we can entrust them to God and, you know, never give up on your child. So let's recap. So Jacobet was a godly mother that loved her child. She, she was one of God's chosen people. She had a relationship with God. And she was from the tribe of Levi. So this was her credential. But the most credential, important credential that she had was that she had a relationship with God. 
and she loved him above the worldly king. And she also had courage. She denied Pharaoh's decree and took a stand. She had faith in God. Even when she, she put her baby in that ark and left him for God to protect. She had faith in God and she was named among the faithful, her and her husband in Hebrews 11. She had a love, a godly love for her child. You know, and like I said, every child deserves a godly mother and father. What a difference it would make in their lives. And I remember, uh, you know, after I had, had Dwayne and he was a little older, and I remember fussing at him about something. And he let me know, Mom, that hurts when you say that or when you talk to me like that. I've always, I said, okay. I listened, I said, Dwayne, the next time I do it, he said, Mom, you're doing it again. And I did it again later, and he said, Mom, you're doing it again. And talk about pricking your heart. You know, God, help me to be the godly mother. Show me how to be a godly mother. Show me how to raise these kids. Show me how to give unconditional love. Show me how to treat them evenly. You know, these are prayers I prayed over my, of my children, and Dwayne gives a testimony sometime about how I told him, if you want to be kept, God will keep you. And he took that to heart. He believed that God would keep him. And God kept him till he was married. And, and I just give God the praise and the honor that some of the things, that the things I poured into my son, I am seeing the fruit of it. I'm seeing the fruit of it. One other prayer I used to pay, pray, God, only let my kids marry the person you have for them. You know, and you know, there was other people, Dwayne dated, whatever. They weren't the one. <laughs> they were not the one. And I think the reason my son haven't gotten married, because she's not the one. Not the way they carry on. You know, I would like them to get on better, but I've prayed that for years from when they were little boys. God, let my children only marry the person you have for me. And I remember crying out to God. God, now you know I need some love and affection. I don't like being by myself. God, let the man that you have for me be in love with you, so in love with you. Because I know if he can love you, he'll be able to love me and my boys. And God granted me that prayer. I went out to Oklahoma to a camp meeting, um, camp, camp meeting, and my girlfriend. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to meet this man. So I'm in camp meeting all week. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. The day before we got ready to leave. So we're in service, and this tall, good-looking man come by with his, <laughs> with his pal that was short and stubby. So I look at this man, and my spirit said, you're going to meet this man. And I hunched my girlfriend that was next to me. I said, I'm going to meet that man. And I didn't notice later when I said that, she said, yeah, he's out of your, right, he's out of your league. What's that? <laughs> mm -mm. And so I saw him. Of course, I smiled. 
And, you know, he nodded his head. Now, they were late coming into me. If you know anything about a camp meeting, if you're late, you're not going to get no seat down front. So they come in, and he nodded, and I smiled. And this usher came and took them down front to sit. I went back to that hotel that night, got on my knees, buying up the enemy, because I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I was supposed to meet him. So the next meeting, the next morning, on the, on the way there, we saw, saw him at a stop site. And they came in and they sat behind us. Now, I know you're not supposed to put out fleas before God. And so I said, God, if I'm supposed to meet this man, let the preacher say when he finished preaching, turn around and greet somebody. <laughs> For real. The preacher finished uh, preaching. He said, turn around and meet somebody. That was my doorway. I turned around with this big smile. Hi. Hi. I'm Jackie. I'm from Arkansas. He's from New Jersey. Hey, and so we got to talking. And we went out to lunch together, me and the, the, our friends. And then we went back to the uh, building and we sat and we talked. And God was dealing with his heart. God was dealing with my heart. He took my number. He said he was going to call me in two weeks. He didn't call me, so I called him. <laughs> Ain't no shame in my game. <laughs> And so he was, at the time, he was living at his parents' house with his two kids. He had custody of his kids from a previous marriage. And I called him, and he was surprised. He said, I never answered the phone at my mother's house. And so we started a long-distance relationship. I was in Arkansas. He's in New Jersey. Uh, the card company got a lot of money from me and him. You know, and I got all the letters and all the cards he ever sent me, and he kept the ones I sent him. And I remember after he died, I came across the ones he sent, he sent me, and I just cried and cried and cried. And it, it, it wasn't so much uh, because in every card and every letter, he was talking about God and lifting up the name of Jesus. And, and these, I didn't, I didn't actually see that when I first got the cards because I was, you know, looking for, hey, baby, yeah, and all this stuff, and which was in there. But after his death, it just ministered to me, ministered to me from his letters and cards that how much this man loved God. And this is what I asked for. And God gave me that godly man for a season. And when he was ready to go, he, he, he knew he was leaving. There were so many things he did prior to his um, accident, he had taken all the fowls, placed them in a, a box, and set them at the foot of the bed. And I remember uh, I was looking for the insurance papers because, you know, the, the funeral home wanted to know they can get paid. And so my girlfriend called me from Arkansas, and she said, Jackie, what's wrong? I said, I'm looking for the insurance papers uh, because I need to take them to the uh, funeral home to, to so they know they were going to be paid. And so she prayed that God would lead me by his Holy Spirit to those vows. And I looked down, and they, there they were. And on his side of the uh, bed, on his, uh, what you call the little nightstand, he had left a little book 
and it said uh, one of them was uh, getting how to, to comfort, you know, you in times of need and stuff. And about I think it was about a week or two before he before he passed. It was so strange. We were in the family room, and he got up and went to the sink to do something. And I looked and I stared at him. And I kid you not, I know Courtney's heard this. I heard within my spirit, what would you do if he died? And of course, I, you know, started rebuking that and stuff. And um, like month before he died, he had the cable turned off because you know it's just a, it's a waste of time. And he would be in the in the living room praising and worshiping God like he was getting ready to go out of here. And I would be upstairs with my with my music, Courtney, at the, in the group at the camp meeting, uh, uh, the youth retreat. And he knew on my own. One side of the dressing, he left a folder, and he highlighted my name. He had worked for a company years before he met me, and he was due a pension from that. And this, he, he had it changed sometime, you know, over to me. There were so many things that I can see that, you know, he regretted. And even uh, one night, Jacqueline said she just stood in the bedroom, he was asleep, and just watched him. It, it's like, it, I can't explain it. It's like, you know, maybe this is the last time. But it, it was just, it was so many signs. He was so ready to go to, to be with the Lord. You know, and you know, I was devastated, of course. I thought my kids were gonna have to lock me up. But God is good. He brought me through. And I'm still standing. I'm still giving him glory. You know, all I could say when it happened, God, I don't understand this, but I still trust you. And it was so interesting because in, he died January 19th. So the first part of January, God had me in a scripture. Um, can't even think of it. But it's, and I'm going, oh, this is so good. This is talking about when we're going to be going through trials and tribulations, the last days. And God had me in there because he knew what was, what was coming down the line. And he strengthened me. It took a lot of prayer. Had to get some, a lot of counseling, but it was okay. You know, I needed help. And I joined a, a widow support group. And all I can say is God is so good. You know, so even when we're going through, we can still stand and be godly. We might not understand why we're going through it, but we're still to trust him. We're still to trust him. As godly people, we have no choice but to trust it. If I don't, I really don't know how people in the world get through when their loved one is dying, because I'm in the Lord and I'm like about to go off the deep end. I mean, it was it was really it was such a hard time for me. But now I can talk about it and not hurt. I can see God's hand in it. I can glorify Him, and I remember. The first two Sundays after he, death, after he died, God gave me the strength to get up in church and preach to the people of God. You know, and I'm going, God, only you. Only you could do that. You know, I just lost my husband, and I got to get up here. And there was many Sundays I had to pray, God, I don't want to go. This is the ministry that we started, and he's gone. You know, it was just so hard. It was just so hard. But God brought me through that, and I'm just 
waiting for the next husband because he's going to bless me with another one because I've asked him. Amen. I hope you were blessed. Amen. Amen. Courtney.